0: serious when I have an opportunity to share from my heart what the Lord wants me to share. And so I've been seeking the Lord on what he wants to say tonight. And I do have some scriptures I want to give you and share with you how God changed my life. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, start with my testimony and I'm the oldest of seven kids. There were seven of us. I'm the oldest of seven. And um, my mom and dad had seven children. We we have the same parents. Both of my parents have gone to heaven. They're with the Lord. And my mama was really instrumental in my life because she taught me how to pray when I was a little girl. When I was two or three years old, I remember her sitting down with me at night saying my night prayers with me. Now, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not grow up in a home where people went to church. We were sent to church, but our parents didn't go with us. My mom would pray with me every night and she taught me how to say my night prayers. I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And she taught me how to kneel down when I was two and three years old. I can vaguely remember at three, but my mama would come in and tuck me in and say night prayers with me every night. That changed my life. Well, how did that change my life? Well, I grew up in a home where there was sexual abuse, mental abuse, and physical abuse. My mom had her first nervous breakdown when I was three months old. Didn't know about it. I had to go live with her mom. My grandmother kept me. My mom was in an institution. And when she came out, I went back to be with her. I think she was in there for three months. Did not find out about this till about 10 years ago. Did not know this, but when I was six years old, my mom had my sister, Jacinta, Lisa, we call her CeCe, she lives in Florida. She had her, and I already had, let me see, three siblings, I was four, CeCe was five when she was born, she was the fifth child. When she was born, when my mom was in the hospital having her, cause she almost hemorrhaged to death and died, My um, dad molested me, that's my first memory of that. And when my mom came home from the hospital, I told my mom what happened, and she had a nervous breakdown. And um, when she had her nervous breakdown, I had to take care of my siblings. So at six years old, I was not in school. I was helping take care of a newborn baby, and I had no clue, taking care of my sister, Paige, and taking care of my brothers, Ralph and Keith. Did not know how to take care of these kids, but my mom could not function and my dad was abusive, so I had to figure it out. So that's the environment that I was born in and raised in. My mom had a couple more nervous breakdowns, tried to kill herself when I was growing up, could not go to my dad because he could not be trusted, but I had to protect my siblings from the abuse that I grew up in. How does a six or seven or eight or nine or 10-year-old little girl protect her siblings from a man that's six foot three, 300 pounds, and your mom can't mentally function? That's the home I grew up in. But there was a key element that my mom gave me when I was a little girl, and that key was prayer. If there was anybody I knew I could talk to, it could be the Lord. And I didn't know him intimately yet, but my number one goal is if I prayed hard enough or asked hard enough, God would answer my prayers and rescue me from this hell that we lived in because I wanted to help my mom and I wanted to help my siblings. So I tried to be there for my mom and I tried to be there for my siblings. And this is the home that I grew up in. I did not grow up in a home where there was love. Or affection we were very very poor when I was growing up and we were homeless we lived in our car at one point we spent an entire summer living in our car and we would go to the beach this was in Florida we would go to the beach and take a bath and sponge babe in the bathroom and wash our hot hair with the shower spigot that's outside that you rinse off with when you come out of the water so this is the home that I grew up in so dysfunctional but God when I was 14 years old, my dad, dad left. He had stole a bunch of money and he had left town with that money and we did not know where he was. But my mama started going to a revival and God changed my life. So at 14 years old, I got saved at 11. Let me backtrack. One of my neighbors, when we lived in the projects in Hateful before we moved to Miami, one of the neighbors, a little bitty old granny, her name was Johnny May, And there were seven of us then. My mom had just had the twins. We're all being abused, but we don't talk about it. Because one thing about abuse, especially sexual abuse, nobody talks about it. It's like hidden under the cover. Who are you going to tell? Who can you trust to tell? And all you know is if they take you away from your mama, who's going to take care of your mama? Or who's going to take care of your siblings? So it's like a silent killer to a girl that's been abused. So here it is, Johnny May, little neighbor, I'm like 11 years old, invites me to go to church with her, and I love the Lord already. We're catching the bus every Sunday going to church, but she asked me on a Sunday night to go to church with her, this little poor girl, and I went and I got saved. That's when I found out about hell, that's when I found out we're all sinners, and that Jesus really died on that cross for me and that he really loved me. See, I grew up in a home where there wasn't love. But when, you, when I heard Jesus loved me, I was like, you mean somebody loves me? Somebody really loves me? I mean, really, somebody loves me. And Jesus came into that Baptist church that night, wrapped his arms around love around me and saved me my whole life changed, my whole life changed. So I just wanna encourage you tonight, there may be some kids out there that you think their parents are a a lost cause, those kids, you may not be able to change that adult's life, but that child's life can be affected by your witness. You don't know what kind of hell those kids are living in, but because you invite them to church. See, there's a harvest out there, there's a harvest. There's a harvest. There's so much darkness out there and we see it, but we are the light of the world. We're the ones to bring light and hope to the dark places. This sexual identity crisis that we're in and all these things that we're seeing, and I do believe some things are gonna get worse in the world, not in the church. What's gonna happen is the church is gonna arise, realize her identity, and when she knows her identity, signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those that lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. It's time for the body of Christ to arise from her place of slumber and contentment and be the light of the world. Because you know what? Jesus knows their identity, and he knows where they've came from, and he knows his purpose for their life. If nobody had invited me to church and said, hey, do you want to go to church with me? My life not have been changed. So you may be the thread of hope that someone needs to grab a hold of. That little kid, who cares about inconvenience? You know, the youth, we have a great youth group. It's time for us to be the witness for Jesus. Jesus isn't going to come back to the earth, die on the cross again. We have the truth of God's Word. God can use us to change this world. There were 12 disciples. There's a lot more than 12 in here tonight. I want to challenge you tonight to be the light. Let God use you to transform a child's life or an adult life, an addict's life, and give hope come to know the Lord, grew up in poverty, had a spirit of poverty on my life, did not know that things could be different other than living off of food stamps and government housing. Did not know. We only had one vehicle. My mom did not work with seven kids. How can you work? You know, as a mom, for the most part, we lived on food stamps, government cheese, peanut butter, all those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I knew that I wanted my life to be different. I knew that God had better things for me. I knew it. I knew that I knew. And I want to read a scripture to you. I'm going to read Ephesians one five. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. When I realized that God loved me, Even if I was the only person that he would have died for, he would have died for me. And that he beckoned me and called me unto himself with his love. It changed everything in my life. You're talking to a girl that knew no love. All she knew was abuse. She didn't know what it was like to have a healthy relationship. She didn't know. How many people in this world today don't know what real love is? But when Jesus came, he came to me. This girl that did not have it together did not come from a family line of great names. I admire you. I'm so thankful that Mark has you as parents and has the family legacy that you give him. I never had a family legacy. If I looked at my family tree, my grandfather abused me as well. If I look at my family tree, there was nothing but abuse, womanizers, alcoholics, people addicted to pills. That's what I came from. That's the lineage. That was my family bloodline. No hope, poverty, living off of the government. That was where I came from. That's where I came from. But then I got a hold of some great teaching. Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan Sr., would see a move of God that would shake, rattle, and roll your life. I could not believe the things that I saw, that God was so alive, because I had been to churches where God wasn't moving. But when I would watch these men of God move, God would use them so mightily. I'm like, God's not dead. He's alive. God is not dead. He is alive. And he wants to move in the earth. And he wants to move through our lives. If we will just say yes. You know, I believe we have to say yes more than one time. You will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But it doesn't stop there. We have to say yes to the move of the Spirit. We have to say yes to the things of God. We have to say yes to the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives. We have to say yes to the gifts of God moving in our lives. Because you can either shut God down or you can let Him in. You get to decide because you have a free will. But in the times that we're living in, it's time for the church to arise and say yes across this world. I was watching a video. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I just feel like God's saying something here. I was watching a video. There were some Bibles that were smuggled in from China and they had their Bibles and they weren't showing their faces, but they were unzipping the bags with all these Bibles to the underground church. These people were grabbing these Bibles and holding them and crying and kissing these Bibles because they have the word of God. We have the word of God, which is the power to change this world in our hands every single day. And it's time for us to arise and shine because the world needs hope. And the only way this world's going to get hope is if we give it to them. Amen. There are plenty of girls and boys out there right now, men and women, that need the love of Jesus that changes lives. Amen. Jesus didn't clean the fish up before he caught them. He caught he cleaned them and it's his job to clean them, not our jobs. One thing I know about the love of God, he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't judge us. He doesn't put us down, but he encourages us to do it. And I want to encourage you tonight to let the love of God shine through your life to others so that God can use you to change your 50 feet. God used this to change my life. I got another scripture for you. Galatians 3, 9. So all who put their faith in Jesus Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. When I started listening to Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin Sr., these mighty men of God, it changed my life because that's when I realized I did not have to be poverty minded and I did not have to live in poverty. That the blessings of Abraham belonged to me, a Gentile, because we've been engrafted in and we've been adopted. You know, we have been adopted. God chose me. I don't know about you, but I never got picked to play on the team. I never was the one that knew how to play the sports. I was never the one that won the spelling bee. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Jesus chose me. And he chose you. And you matter to him. I didn't have a mom that would hug me and tell me she'd love me. I I had a dad that wanted to, but you didn't want him to because of the way that he was. So I grew up with no one doing that for me. But when Jesus came into my life, he changed everything. He showed me what love was. He taught me how important I was, that I was a pearl of great price, that I mattered to him, that it didn't matter what other people had made fun of me because I was considered white trash growing up. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if I was mistreated because I was poor. It didn't matter to Jesus because Jesus said, you're somebody that I love. So I go on mission trips and I've been to several countries. And you know, when you go as an American to another nation, I know a lot of you guys know this, but they look at you like, oh my gosh, an American, they're rich. But you know what? The same thing, the same principles, the same Bible, the same word of God, that God taught me how to get out of poverty, taught me how to live not with the spirit of fear, not to live with poverty. It's the same tool they have in their hand. You have to put it to work. You have to take a hold of God's promises for your life. You know, I used to listen to Kenneth Copeland, he still comes on every day and I don't listen to him much anymore, but back then I used to listen to him every single day and he would teach how God doesn't want you broke and people may call it a, whatever they want to say about it, the prosperity, name it and claim it, but you know what? It works. (laughs) Even if people say negative things. It says you will eat whatever you can, you know, you can create your world with the words that you speak. (laughs) You know, we've been created in the image of God. That's why Satan's trying to destroy it right now, because we've been created in his image and our words have life. And whatever you speak out of your mouth is what you're going to eat of. Whatever you say is what you're going to have. Did you know that? You've been created in his image. So what is it you've been confessing with your lips? Have you been confessing sickness, death, disease, poverty, lack? You know, we live by the economy of heaven, and it's easy for me to say, but it's just the truth. And the times that we're living in, it's more important that we stand on the principles of God's word. Because you know what it says here, right here, I'm gonna read it again, Galatians 3, 9. So all that put their faith in Jesus Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Now listen, I don't know about you guys, but when I read that scripture when I was 17 years old listening to Kenneth Copeland, realizing I didn't have to be rich, that a spirit of lack is from hell, A spirit of poverty is from hell and it's something the enemy uses to steal, kill, and destroy. Then I said, well, what does God give me? What are my promises as a child of God? Not really knowing my identity, but grabbing hold of God's word. Deuteronomy 28, it's nothing but blessings. Blessed you'll be when you come in. Blessed when you'll be as go out. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll lend to many and not borrow. The blessings are not, God, are not contingent on how hard you work. Even though I do believe in hard work, I do work hard. I'm a realtor. I work hard. But I still trust God for my means of support. Regardless of the avenue that God uses to bless me, I still trust God to meet my needs. You know, one time God told me, the Lord told me, my first mission trip, it was to India. And if anybody's ever been to India, usually India should not be your first choice. But God told me to go on this mission trip. And my husband had uh, changed careers. The Lord told him to leave his place of comfort. He was in law enforcement for 22 years and the Lord told him to leave it. And he was like, oh my gosh. So we went from two incomes to one and didn't know how we were going to do it. And the Lord told me he wanted me to go on this mission trip to India. It was $3,000, I believe. And I told him, the Lord told me to go to India. I don't really want to go to India, but the Lord told me to go to India. He said, well, it's going to have to be God because we don't have the money to pay for it. And I said, I know we don't, but you know what? I believe if God wants me to go, he's going to supply it. Yes. And guess what he did? He supplied it and I went to India. So there's a lot of mission trips scheduled for next year. I want to encourage you to seek the face of the Lord to see if you're supposed to go and see what God tells you. Went to Africa, South Africa. and was preaching in the bush bush or something. And they asked me to get up and share for a minute. It was Pastor Surprise. He comes on television and stuff. And I was at his bush bush church where there's like, what do you call it? There's, um, They all live, you know, kind of dirt floors, all that, you know, out in the tribes and all that stuff. And I'm out there and there's a few, probably about a thousand people in there and I'm getting ready to minister. And, uh, my former pastor calls me up and says, Hey, would you share for a minute? Would you get up and share? I go, sure. He says, okay, you have about 15 minutes. And so I get up to share and then the Lord just takes over. And I said, listen, I remember you think because I'm from America that we got it all and we're rich and we got everything. I said, yes, America's good and I'm very thankful for America. But I remember as a little girl digging out of the trash can to get food when we were homeless. I know what it's like not to have a bathroom of your own. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to, none of your clothes are new. They're either hand-me-down or you stand by the Goodwill box and when somebody makes a donation, you ask them if you can have those clothes because you need clothes to wear that's the way it was for me growing up. So I'm sharing with them. I said, so listen, let me tell you something. Man is not your provider. God is. And you need to stop looking to the hand of man or the government to meet your need and look to the hand of God and take a hold of his word. Now, a lot of times we build our lives on our knowledge. We build our lives on our resources. We build our lives on all these natural things, but God's calling the church now to build his life on the word of God and be established in the word of God because this is what really changes everything. If you're battling something tonight, it's the word of God. Take it as medicine. Tell the devil to get up and pack his bags and leave. We have the authority You're being challenged tonight. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna read another scripture for you. Galatians 3.14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessings he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise, Holy Spirit through faith. Do you know Abraham pleased God? And Jesus wasn't born then, okay? So Jesus was born long after Abraham. And so... Abraham received so many promises. God told him he'd make a great nation out of him because he was a man that believed God. So he was a man that believed God. It was his faith that moved God. It wasn't his natural ability. (laughs) It wasn't his natural gifts that moved God. It wasn't his family bloodline. You got to think about Abraham. His dad was an idol maker in the land, not Chaldees or something. His dad was an idol maker. And God called him to leave his family, that he would lead him to a land of his own. And that his descendants would be great. God called him out. God's calling the church out from the world right now and asking them to take steps of faith to possess the kingdom of God so that we can advance the kingdom of God. God wants to raise up people with resources that change the whole dynamics of everything. Where the world doesn't own the TV stations and doesn't own all of this, where the body of Christ owns this and changes it. It's time for us to take hold of God's promises. Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessings and the curses. The curses aren't yours, the blessings are, okay? When I was 17 years old, I used to get on my face and I would pray to the Lord two or, three, two or three hours a day. And I kind of, with my siblings, not now, God's delivered me from it, but for years I carried my siblings as if they were my own because I took care of them so much growing up that I felt like a lot of their life was my responsibility in some ways. And so I would carry that burden, you know, kind of like a mama does her kids. It was the same way for me with my siblings for a long time. And I would get on my face before God and I would cry out for my siblings because there were seven of us and we were all poor. I remember when, um, if you got a pair of flip-flops, it was a good day. I remember my sister one time having to go to school barefooted because all she had was flip-flops and she couldn't find them. Um, I just, poverty, straight out poverty in America, okay? And so I would get on my face before God and I would cry because I'd go, Lord, your promise says these things in Deuteronomy. Lord, I know if anybody can give a miracle to my family, my brothers and my sisters, I know you can, because you're a good father. You're a good God. And I got a hold of the word of God. I'm like, because of listening to the word of God, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, Sr., listening to men of God teach the Word, to change your thinking, to reprogram your thinking, not to think the way the world does, but to think the Word of God and claim His promises and claim His Scriptures. And that's what I did. And realize it wasn't based on who my family was. It wasn't based on my family. I didn't have a good lineage. I didn't have a good family bloodline. I didn't have people that I could look at, oh, my uncle's a doctor, I can do this, or my uncle's this, or my aunt's that, or my grandparents. I didn't have that. My mom's grandparents were alcoholics, and my dad's side of the family, we didn't know them because he was the black sheep of the family, so we didn't grow up knowing that side of the family. So all I knew on my mama's side were alcoholics, people that took pills for bad nerves, That's all I knew. So there wasn't someone I could look at and go, oh, you know, if aunt so-and-so did it, I know I can do it. If uncle so-and-so did it, there was no one to look to. There wasn't, wasn't at all. So, When I went down here and I was studying the word of God, it says, because, all right, this is Galatians 4, 6, and 7. Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So I would think about this. Hmm, I've been adopted. So I said, Lord, if I'm adopted by you, then I'm an heir to the promises of God, just like Abraham is. And if I'm an heir, because I've been adopted, because Lord, you chose me. I wasn't born a Jew. I wasn't born in the family of God. You chose me and picked me. You picked me to be on your team. You picked me to be your daughter. You chose me. When nobody else would choose me, you chose me. When I was rejected by society, you said, I want you. You are my beloved. You're my pearl. You're my girl. There is nothing like the love of God. I mean, seriously. (laughs) There's nothing. When God comes down and wraps his arms of love around you, it changes your life. And it's time that we take it to the world because don't they need it? Don't they need it? So I got a hold of God's promises. I said, okay, I've been adopted by God, He chose me. I wasn't born a Jew, I was adopted because of the blood of Jesus, I've been made righteous. Okay, so I've been adopted. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are my forefathers. I really did this because it really bothered me with my family history and my family bloodline. It bothered me because I didn't want to be like what I grew up in. I didn't want it to be like this for me. I didn't want to be an alcoholic. I didn't want to be addicted to medicine. I didn't want to be addicted to pills. I didn't want to grow up in abuse. I mean, marry someone that was abusive. It had to change, but I did not know how to change it. I did not know. But when I found out that I have been adopted by God and that my forefathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all I needed to do was get a hold of Deuteronomy 28 and say yes to the Lord. So I started praying for my siblings, praying, 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 Lord Jesus, if anybody can change their lives, I know you can. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. And then my little sister, Lenore, she comes to church here. Her nickname's Sissy. So if you see her, call her Sissy and see what she says. So she would always go to church with me. She was my, my mom had twins and the last two were twins, Lenore and Rusty. And Rusty was named Booty and that was his nickname. And Lenore was Sissy and Sissy would always go to church with me and I'd take her and she had long blonde hair and there's 10 years between us. And I'd always take her to church with me. So when Sissy got a little bit older, teenagers, she really gave her life to the Lord. So her and I used to pray, pray, pray for all our siblings. And I would take hold of the promises of God because we weren't taught trades We weren't taught to be like our parents. We didn't have anything that was passed on, like to be an accountant or CPA or anything. We didn't have anything to follow. We had to figure it out. And so I said, Lord, give us trades, give us good careers. Show us what to do, order our steps. I said, Lord, sometimes I know I'm as dumb as a bag of rocks. So you just gotta make it clear and help me. I'm being serious. And I would pray for my siblings and cry out to God for them and just pray, 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 Lord, I know you can do this for us. I know you can change our family. I know that you can change it. I know you can. Kenneth Copeland says it, Kenneth Hagin Sr. says it. I hear testimonies of miracles. One thing about it, when you grow up really, really poor, when all you have is your faith, that faith is enough. You know, you're a great candidate for God. Because when all you've got is faith, when that's all you've got. So I'd pray for my siblings, pray for my siblings, pray for my siblings. I had a brother that got addicted to, I think, it was crack then. Yeah, he got addicted to crack. Um, I had so many things happen growing up with my sisters and brothers and my heart would ache and I'd cry for them and pray for them, pray for them, pray for them, pray for for my mama, pray for my dad for him to get delivered and set free. I mean, I'd pray and fast so much. It was amazing, but that's all I knew to do was to pray and fast to seek God's face. Well, It's all I could do. Well, you know what? Out of seven siblings, we're all still here. Everybody owns their own home and everybody owns their own business because of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I mean, really, how do you take seven children, seven that grow up where they're mentally abused, sexually abused, physically abused, and in poverty, If you'd studied the statistics, Kyle used to tell me all the time, your family is not the statistics. You're either a prostitute, a stripper, a drug addict. You're all these things. But you know what? But God. But God. But God. But God. God. So, We have the light of the world in us. We are the salt of the earth. So what is it God's been asking you to do that you haven't done? I mean, seriously, what has he asked you to do? Where has he asked you to serve? What has he asked you to give? Seriously, we've got to obey him and do what he's asking us to do. It doesn't matter how small it seems to you. It's not small to God. It might be a little girl like me when I was growing up. You know? It might be somebody like my mom that struggles with mental issues because of her husband's abuse, and it causes her to have mental breakdowns, and she can't function. How could a hug from a mama in this house touch someone's life and change it? When I lived in Miami and I gave my life to the Lord and I started going to church, I went to an African, well, it was was an African American church, but the pastor was Jamaican and almost everybody there was from the West Indies. So I went to all African church or West Indies church for four years. And some of those mamas in that house, God used them to change my life. I would go to the altar, you know, got all this junk in me. Don't even know. Because when you grow up in it, you don't realize how bad it is. You know it's bad, but you don't realize how abnormal and dysfunction it is until you really get grown. And go to the altar, get on my face before God and pray. And a mama would come up to me pray with me and wrap her arms of love around me. And God would just mend my heart through that mama's hug. That mama's love would change everything. You know, there's someone here tonight, her name's Mary Ann. And me and Mary Ann, we do ministry in Atlanta and we're kind of running partners. You know, sometimes when you don't have something in the natural, God gives it to you. And he gives it to you so good that it's so sweet It's like honey. And God's given me a mom in Mary Ann. She makes me my cakes. I never had a birthday party growing up. So every year she makes me my favorite cake. God has a way of giving you the things in life that you never had. There's a scripture. I don't know where it's at right at this second, but the Lord gave it to me to give to Lenore because Brian had a stroke. And there's a scripture that says, I will give you twice as much as your trouble was. double for your trouble. So the problem, in my opinion now in society, everybody's looking at all their troubles and not using their faith to change it. (laughs) We've got to use our faith to move these mountains that they would be cast into the sea. And believe God for transformation and change. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he still heals the blinded eyes. He still raises the dead. He still heals leprosy. He still heals cancer. He still sets captives free. And if there is a time that the captive needs to be set free, it's now. But Jesus isn't walking on the earth, but Jesus is living in us. And it's time for us as a bride of Christ to rise up, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to hear his voice that when he says, hey, go love on that one. You know, it was the love of God that healed my brokenness. It was the love of God that changed my life. And you know who he did it through? The mamas. The mamas. Now we're so, with COVID, I mean, we have separated so much that we don't even shake hands anymore. I mean, really, is that not nothing but a bunch of devil junk? I mean, let's just call it what it is. We need each other, especially in the body of Christ. You know, the enemy wants to divide us. It's called divide and conquer. But you know what? The Church of the Jesus Christ is re- rising up, and she is something to be reckoned with, because she is going to stand at attention to the Lord Jesus Christ and follow His commands on how to take the land but we have got to have an ear that hears what the Lord is saying. And we've got to take the time to listen, to put our ear towards heaven and see what God is saying and not what the earth is shouting. The Lord told me something in 2021. The Lord said to me, Jesse, it's time for my church to put her ear to heaven and take it off of the trembles of the earth. And it's time for us to hear what God is saying. He knows where the gold is. He knows where the provision is. He knows where everything is that we have need of. But he knows where those are that need to be snatched out of the grip of Satan. There are so many people in captivity now. You know, I think about the disciples. They would just walk. Their shadow would fall on someone and people would get healed. I'm ready for that time to happen now. I'm ready for us to be able to go out and win the whole city of Atlanta to the Lord. For there to be such a move of God that lives are transformed and changed. But we've got to say yes. Are you ready to make your Noah yes? When God says, go on that mission trip or sow a seed, stop being afraid and holding on to something. There was a time a few years ago, Kyle and I, I was wanting to sow a seed for a particular project at our former church and we didn't have much. We were both doing real estate, living by faith. And we had some seed to sow, but I wanted to sow a big seed. And I told Kyle, I said, now listen, I've been praying because I really want to sow a big seed on Easter Sunday. And he's like, okay. I said, no, really, I'm serious. And so then I said, this is what I'm asking the Lord for. I said, I'm asking the Lord to give me a cash deal that will close before Easter. You know how those are, Miss Vivian. They can close in about 10 days. And we were about 14 days from Easter. So I'm like, I want a cash deal to close so that I can take all that commission and give it to the Lord. So I'm praying, Lord, I want to sow this seed. I want to sow a seed into this project because I believe this project is you. So I'm talking to Kyle about it and he knows what we have in the bank and I try not to look at it, (laughs) you know. And uh, I said, well, I just want you to know, honey, I've been praying about a cash deal and I've asked the Lord to give me one so that I can sow that seed. So I just want you to know that when that money comes in, it is not for us it's for the Lord. He says, okay. I said, no, seriously, honey, I'm telling you, whatever that deal is, I don't care how much it is. I told the Lord, I'm giving it to him. I asked him to give it to me and I'm going to sow it into the kingdom. He said, okay, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. I want to make it real clear because it could be 2000. It could be 10,000, you know, and so uh, there was an agent that came up to me and said, hey, Jesse, I got this deal. I don't have time for her. Can you help her? She wants to buy some, uh, a trailer or something. It's a cash deal. I said, well, how much referral do you want? No, nah, just keep it. It ain't much. So in two weeks, I closed on a cash deal, sowed that seed, and it totally changed our lives. Everything, I mean, we had so much business that year that there's no way. I mean, we almost had to give business away because we had so much from that seed. So I want to challenge you. Seriously, when you get ready to give, just like Pastor Evans shared a few weeks ago when he spoke and he shared about sowing and reaping. When you sow a seed in faith, it changes everything. I mean, it really does You're not sowing unto man when you give. You're not sowing to a man. You're sowing to God Almighty. And if you want to see transformation and change in your life, you give. You give. You know why it breaks the back of Satan? Because you're not operating in fear anymore. You're operating in faith. The law of sowing and reaping works. If you don't believe me, challenge God to it. God's up for the challenge. Because his word says, his word says, try me now, see so if I will not pour out more. And it's our responsibility as believers to take care of the house of the Lord. It is. If you study the word, it says that it's our responsibility as believers to take care of God's house. That's why God gives us the resources. It doesn't matter if it's a penny, a nickel, a dollar. And if God can trust you with that, he can trust you with more. It's our responsibility. And if you really want to make the devil mad, and who doesn't want to make him mad? Because he's showing his ugly head every time you turn around. He's showing his ugly head. I challenge you tonight to obey God in your giving. Seriously. I mean, stretch it out. I mean, stretch it out. Father God, I just sow this seed in faith and I am asking you, Lord, that I can live debt free. Or I'm asking you to take care of this. You're not given to mark. You're not given to believers. You're given to God. This is just the ground that you're planting in, and this is good ground. It's good ground. It's good ground. What you sow is what you reap. The law of sowing and reaping works in everybody's life. The law of sowing and reaping works. The law of sowing and reaping works. I'm sure they gave so many times in faith, believing God for breakthrough. They knew that only God could do what they needed, but they would sow a seed, and then God would give back so much more. Kathy Truett, one time, he said, uh, Kyle quotes it better than I do, but he said, uh, How come, you know, Chick fil A is what it is today? He said, I would take my shovel, put it in God's pile. God would take his shovel and put it in my pile. Now listen, there's chicken out there. I love chicken. It's my favorite food, okay? But Chick-fil-A is not the best chicken out there. It's not. We all think it is, but it's not. You know why it's so good? Because of the blessing of the Lord upon it. So... I challenge you tonight, take from your pile, put it in God's pile and watch what he does. Try him, test him. I've tried it. It works. The law of sowing and reaping. Why do you think certain companies do so well financially? And you're thinking, how can they be so blessed? Because they're so, you know, we have our opinions of things. We have our opinion. It's because they believe in the law of sowing and reaping. You'll find out that they support St. Jude or they do all these big things, but you're like, how do they still manage? I was uh, doing some research a while back and I'm almost finished, but I was doing some research and uh, the Hershey Almond Bar, everybody knows Hershey Company, right? The Hershey Almond Bar, I think is 106 years old. The Hershey Almond Bar is 106 years old. Well, there are a lot of companies around 106 years ago, but how come Hershey's is still around? I was thinking about that. Hmm. Wonder how Hershey's survived the Great Depression. Wonder how Hershey's survived World War II. Wonder how Hershey's survived all these things. Then as I was doing some research, I think it was a 700 Club that was uh, giving the story. <laughs> During the Great Depression, they had food bank, they had uh, food lines and soup kitchens, and they fed everybody in their community every day, once a day. All their full-time employee, they moved them to part-time so that they could hire so many more people and give them a job. And they did that through the whole depression. They had a soup kitchen and fed people. I believe those seeds that they sown into the ground is the reason why they're still here today. So if the world is around another 100 years, 50 years, 20 years, we don't know. I want the Lord to come back today, but I'm still waiting. And I'm not going to hold my breath and wait. I'm going to be busy about my father's business. But the thing is, is this, what seeds are you sowing and what legacy are you gonna leave behind for those coming behind you? Seriously, sow into God's kingdom, sow into God's pile and God will sow into your pile. Challenge him, hold him to his word. People don't keep their word now. When I was growing up, people would do a handshake and that was as good as gold. You didn't have to take people to court to get what you owed owed them or vice versa. A man's word was his bond. Do you know what? God's word is his bond. If his name is on it, he's gonna keep his promise. He will never lie to you, cheat from you or steal from you. He will never do you dirty. He will never do you wrong. He's the one that needs to be your business partner. When it comes time to choose a business partner or go to the bank and talk to the banker, go talk to Jesus and see what he says about it. One time Kyle was getting ready to buy our first flip property. We'd not bought one yet. And we didn't have the resources, but we had someone that wanted to partner with him that could borrow the money from someone. And about a week before it came time to close on that property, the guy that was gonna lend him and his uh, the partner the money to buy it was gonna charge him an outrageous amount of interest. And Kyle's like, Jesse, we can't buy this property. It was only, it was like 70,000. He's like, we can't buy the property because by the time we pay him back after this is over, we're gonna be giving all of our profits to this man. He's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to back out. I can't buy it. And I started thinking. I said, okay. I said, have you prayed about it? You know, I was praying about it. I said, Lord, what do you, you know, we knew we were supposed to buy this property because Kyle was, you know, when you come when you don't grow up with a lot of money, you try to figure out how you're going to have your resources. If you don't have somebody to go to, like, you know, he didn't have parents to go to to ask for the money. I didn't have anybody. So, we're thinking, where can we get this money to buy this property? So I said, well, have you prayed about it? And I was praying about it, talking to the Lord about it. Well, before he found the property, he had been contemplating, I wanna be an investor. I wanna do flip properties. I wanna, he had this dream. He had this dream and he was wanting to do this, but he knew he didn't have the resources or the money to do it. And one day I was in my prayer time and the Lord said, today's the day, move and I went and I told him, I think I wrote it down and gave it to you. The Lord said, today is the day, move. Something like today is the day, today is the day. I told him, I said, the Lord's saying today's the day. You need to look, your property's there, today's the day. He's like, really? I go, yeah, the Lord said today, 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 today. So I told him that. He went into the system, he looked, He was a bro- he's a broker and he went into the system And there was a house and he saw the house and he goes, hmm, I think I found one. So he goes over there and he he says, he goes over there and he looks at it. He goes, okay, I got a good one. Then he talks to somebody that wants to partner with him. They say, yes, well, it comes down to the line to close on this property about a week out. The interest rate's too high. It doesn't make any sense to buy the property. So then he says, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm going to have to back out. But see, I already knew God told him this. I knew he was supposed to do this property because God had already told me today's the day. I said, you need to look today because the Lord says it's there today, today, today. And there was a new one that had just hit the market. So I knew it was God. So I'm like, surely God's got the resources somewhere. So then I'm talking, I said, wait a minute. Somebody had said to me last week, they had about 60 something thousand dollars that they could use to invest in real estate that they would be willing to invest that amount of money. So then I said to him, I said, wait a minute. This is a few days later, day or two later. I said, I think I got your person that will lend you the money. And he calls them and he talks to them. They go, yeah, I'll lend you the money and only asked for 10%, I think, back or something off of what they were lending. God provided that 60-something thousand dollars, I think it was. He provided it. So this is my point. We did not have the money. We did not know how we were gonna do it. We had no clue. What is it you're believing God for that you don't have the resources for, but you know God can do it? All of us have dreams and things that we're believing God for. All of us. I have some. We all have some. There is no limit with what God can do. But you have to put your ear to heaven and see what the Father is saying. And God will work it out for you. He will work it out. He will work it out. He will work it out. What is it you're asking him to do? Remember who you are. You're joint heirs with Abraham, seed. You've been adopted and handpicked by God to be a part of his family. I was speaking one time and the Lord said something to me and I'm gonna share it with you. The Lord said, Jesse, many, many people have life insurance. They have car insurance, homeowner's insurance. He said, Do you know they have insurance with me and they never take advantage of their benefits? When you have a car accident, you file a claim. When you have a roof damage, you file a claim. When someone passes away, you claim the life insurance. But how many benefits are in God's Word that we haven't even claimed? I mean, we will trust a secular system more than we will trust the Word of God. What are you believing God for? What is it? Salvation for your family? I challenge you tonight go on the mission trip, sow the seed, give, and be everything that God created you to be. You have gifts and talents deep within your heart and dreams. Do you think you just have those dreams? One more thing and I'm almost done. I was thinking the other day, I was getting ready for bed and I was thinking, I said, you know, Lord, as parents, we have so many dreams for our kids. We want them to do this and we want them to do that. My kids are grown now. So I was thinking, you know, you have dreams for your children. I said, Lord, what is your dream for my life? What is your dream for me? Seriously, think of it. Go there with me. I got three minutes. Go there, go there. When you have children, every one of your kids or grandkids, you have a dream for their life. You want them to accomplish this. You want them to accomplish that. We all have dreams for our children. We all do. What dream does God have for you? What is that dream? What is God's dream for you? Because you're his kid. What is his dream? So tonight, when you go to bed, I want you to think about it. Say, Father God, what is your dream for my life? What is my purpose? What is it? I know I'm not here just to exist. Even though Satan will try to feed us all of that junk but it's because he wants to stop you from what you've been called to do. Corey Ten Boom, I'm sure a lot of you know who she is. I read her book when I was like, a couple of her books when I was like 17 and 18 years old. She called herself Tramp for the Lord. That was one of her books that she did. And she would go to the darkest places She'd go to the concentration camps in Russia. She would go to the deepest, darkest dungeons to share the love of God. Guys, we're in a dark place in this world right now. It's time that the mama hugs come out. It's time that the mama's love comes out. It's time that the daddies speak into the kids' lives and tell them who they are and what their identity is. The problem now is there's an identity crisis but there's an identity crisis in the church. We need to know who we are and who our dad is and step up to the plate because God's got a dream for our lives. Everybody, let's stand up. I'm gonna close this out in prayer.